Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like Well, here we go into hour number two of Mornings Without Carmen for this Monday. I'm Paul Carmen out as she and her husband celebrating their uh, 12th anniversary. She'll be back tomorrow here on Faith Radio with all the great conversations that you enjoy. I'm Paul Perot, her faithful producer, now uh, also substitutionary host. And uh, Ryan Mitchell has taken my place at the producer board. So thanks again, Ryan. What were you doing this weekend? Of course, a lot of hard news, but also... Some interesting news. Maybe you spend time watching the Kentucky Derby and uh, enjoying what Mage winning a fifteen to one. You know, at that was an underdog win, which is great to see. Or maybe you were up really early to watch the coronation of King Charles the Third. Actually, a lot of people. I saw some people posting segments of Justin Welby, the Archbishop of Canterbury, and his sermon. An admonition to the king. I'm going to read just parts of it because there's there was a lot of good stuff in there. So addressing the king and the queen consort, Archbishop Welby said, The weight of the task given you today, your majesties, is only bearable by the spirit of God who gives us the strength to live our lives to others. With the anointing of the Holy Spirit... The king is given freely to uh, uh, given freely what no ruler can ever attain through will or politics or war or tyranny. The Holy Spirit draws us to love uh, us to love in action. This is promised by Jesus, who put a lo- put aside all privilege, because, as the first reading tells us, the reading from the uh, the, the uh, New Testament, Jesus, or rather, God will give all things for our sake, even His life. And then he uh, continued on, reflecting on the life of Jesus. The King of Kings, Jesus Christ, was anointed not to be served, but to serve. He created the unchangeable law that with the privilege of power comes the duty to serve. Service is love in action. We see active love in our care for the most vulnerable, the way we nurture and encourage the young in the conservation of the natural world. We see those priorities in the life of duty lived by our king. Now, he didn't just talk to uh, King Charles and his wife. He also addressed everybody else. Each of us is called by God to serve. Whatever that looks like in our lives, each of us can choose God's way today. We can say to the king of kings, God himself, as does the king here today, give grace that in thy service I may find perfect freedom. I did see little bits and pieces of the ceremony, and amidst all that, beautiful music and such, hopefully, you know, I, I hope the words of the Archbishop cut through, um, cut through and actually work deeply in the hearts, not only of the king and queen, but also of the people who are watching. I also came across something else, and this was at Premier, News, uh, Premier Christian News. We've, we've talked about deep fakes here on Mornings with Carmen many times. Uh, deep fake, you know, which is kind of scary. You, you, you see a face of somebody you know, but saying something 
that they didn't say or, you know, mimicking the voice. It's, it's amazing what our technology can do these days. Well, how about a deep fake Bible? PETA gets chat GPT to rewrite parts of the Bible to make it vegan friendly. So we use chat GPT to make it clear that a loving God would never endorse the exploiting or cruelty, exploitation or cruelty to the animals. So, for example, in the book of Genesis, Adam befriends a, uh, Abraham, that is, befriends a gentle lamb to demonstrate his respect, respect for creation instead of sacrificing a ram to show his faith. In another segment, it explains the in chapter 21 of Genesis, the conception of Isaac and how they added a dog named Herbie to the family. Yeah, it was it's it's kind of weird. Again, they why the editing? Well, the president of PETA said the Bible has been long used to justify all forms of oppression. Now, yes, the Bible has been used by people who take things out of context to point to oppression. That's not the fault of the Bible. That's that's the people interpreting it. So how we apply it or misapply it is the issue here. And as people of the world, word, that is, we need to take God's whole counsel of his word, not just editing stuff in and out. We're to see God in his ways through that. Well, it is May, Mental Health Awareness Month, and joining me next here on Mornings with Carmen is Dr. Melissa Mork. She's a professor of psychology at the University of Northwestern St. Paul, and Sometimes we jokingly self-diagnose ourselves or others, and we know we're only joking, right? Well, sometimes there's some downsides to joking around with psychological terminology. We're going to address that in just a bit here on Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. Okay, have you ever called yourself little OCD or maybe called somebody else, oh, I don't know, maniac or anyway, I'm Paul filling in for Carmen here on Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio and joining me now, Melissa Mork, who's a psychologist at, uh, and professor at the University of Northwestern St. Paul and um, I'm trying to remember the name of your book, Melissa, it's escaping me. It's called, it's called Navigating Grief with Humor. That's right. That's right. And we've talked yeah. about that before, which we have. Yeah, humor is a good thing. It is a very is. good thing. I love it. Uh, but Same. also our humor can get us in trouble. For example, me, I tend toward self-deprecating humor. And, yes. you know, I, I'm joking. I, at least I think so, even though I may deliver a deadpan. But the concern mm. is I might take my humor too seriously or others around me take it too seriously. Mm-hmm. And the same is true when we flippantly use psychological terms. Uh, it, this is Mental Health Awareness Month. And I want to delve into this because, I mean, we're not going into deep issues of various psychoses or anything like that. But Mm-hmm. There's a long history of people using psychological terms, I assume metaphorically, flippantly, humorously. Uh, there's a long history to this, isn't there? Yes. Yeah. And, you know, the thing is, is that I'm guilty of this myself. I'll say, oh, that is crazy. Or I think he's a little insane or that guy's nuts. Right. Mm-hmm. And we're using we're using these terms or like you said, I'm a little OCD. And the thing is, is that we're trying we're using these words because they are uh, slightly descriptive, but the problem is that we're using these words that are slightly, um, they're slightly descriptive of people of bad behavior. So if I'm saying I'm a little OCD, what I'm saying is there's something slightly wrong with me. 
Mm-hmm. But there's somebody else who has serious OCD, and my flippant use of the term is dismissing the reality of their suffering, or it's saying what they're going through isn't all that big a deal, or um, that kind of thing. And so I just, I don't know, I, I'm working on it myself. I, and I'm not, I, I'm a hypocrite by saying, oh, you mustn't. However... I have a I have a client right now who said that when he hears somebody say I'm a little OCD, it just really diminishes the what he's actually experienced. And I think, okay, so I need to be careful not to say that. When there's other words to say, I'm persnickety or I'm finicky or I'm, you know, I'm very attentive to detail and it's, you know, it's sometimes a problem for me. I can be a little more specific about the way I describe my own situation, you know? Yeah. Well, let's talk about that because we brought up the OCD. Okay, I guess we're are, are gonna yeah, get yeah. into the issue a little bit. Because, okay, we're persnickety, or we may just have, okay, we just like things neat. Yeah. But it's way different. Explain the difference. So, OCD is for some people an extremely painful, paralyzing experience where there are intrusive thoughts that just come into their head that they can't seem to stop. And it might be around uh, obsessions around cleanliness, of course, or it might be around germs, or it might be around fear of sinning, or it might be uh, a fear of causing somebody else harm. I mean, there's a lot of different domains where obsessions may happen. And then they engage in a compulsive behavior or thought process, or even a compulsive prayer to undo the thought that just came into their head. And it becomes this cycle that interferes with their ability to learn math facts or to do their work or to uh, drive safely to work because they're constantly afraid that I just ran somebody over. I need to run back and check and make sure. And then they go the next block. Oh, I may have hurt somebody. So they have to Mm. drive around the block to make sure. So we're talking about something that could be potentially paralyzing uh, and filled with fear and unstoppable without treatment. And As an aside, Paul, something that's kind of interesting is that we find this developing in children very often after an experience with strep virus. Um, Mm. It's called pediatric autoimmune neurological disorder where a child has strep and then there's a neurological uh, switch that's flipped and they develop OCD. And uh, But there is a very effective treatment out there called exposure therapy, exposure response prevention therapy, that for those who've had OCD and gone through this therapy, say it's you know, practically a cure. They, they cannot believe how well they are after the therapy. But uh, what OCD is, is extremely, extremely distressing and dysfunctional and uh, different from what I might be describing when I say, oh, I'm just a little OCD because I like everything straight on my desk. Mm, yeah, that is way different. That is way different. Way different. We're talking with Melissa Mark again from the University of Northwestern St. Paul. And as we continue, okay, looking at those who are suffering with OCD or mm. any other psychological issue, yes, when we use terms flippantly, it causes them pain. But then let's flip the let's flip the uh, card over a little bit and let's look at how sometimes we actually self stigmatize ourselves if we're not yes. careful. So that's right. up next here on Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, 
all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. All right, if you miss any part of Mornings with Carmen or any of the other favorite Faith Radio shows, don't worry. The podcasts are available at MyFaithRadio.com on the Faith Radio app. And if you're not subscribed to the app, text the word APP to 877-933-2484. Or should I say you can download the app onto your smartphone. And if you want help, again, just text the word APP to 877-933-2484. We'll send you a link so you can get it on your phone. That way you can listen to Faith Radio anytime or replay the podcasts. You can also find the podcast, by the way, at places like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, um, Spotify is where I catch most of mine because I like my Spotify. Well, anyway, uh, I'm Paul filling in for Carmen today, and we're talking with Melissa Mork and talking about the issue of misusing mental health language. During this, we're, we're in the midst of Mental Health Awareness Month. And Melissa, we talked before the break about how those who are dealing with major issues like OCD and such, how... When we misuse the term or just flippantly use it, it, it's hard on them. But let's flip the coin and look at ourselves here because sometimes we self-stigmatize. We don't really have OCD or we don't really have um, schizophrenia or whatever. Mm -hmm. But sometimes by labeling ourselves, we can cause ourselves some emotional harm and distress. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and there's there's two directions to go. The first concern is that if I'm – self-diagnosing, um, and that could become a, a self-fulfilling prophecy. I can say, well, I can't do that because I've got such and such or, or, uh, I'm limited in this way because of that thing that I think I have. That's, that's risky. The other risk of self-stigma, and I think especially happening within the church and the faith communities is that we have a stigma around mental illness to say, if you are suffering from this, then you are lacking in your faith. Or if you are suffering from this particular, if you have depression, then uh, you're just not experiencing enough gratitude. Um, or if you're experiencing anxiety, then you're not trusting God enough. And that's like saying if you have if you have diabetes, you're not trusting God enough. Mm-hmm. Or if you are, are if you are suffering from this cancer, you don't have enough faith. And I just think that's so stigmatizing because. I mean, there's so many scriptures about, you know, just Paul praying. I you know, prayed three times for this thorn to be removed, um, and it, and that prayer wasn't answered. So I, I think the fear for me is that the stigma that we have around that precludes us from getting the help that we need. And as a result, we continue to try to muscle through or say there's something really wrong with us uh, that we're suffering or or what have you, but then we fail to really seek the help that we need to get through this. And in, I have a podcast called Mental Health with Dr. Melissa Mork. And in a number of these episodes, I'll ask my guest who's talking about their experience with a mental illness, how did this impact your faith? And it seems so common to uh, many on these episodes that when they were in distress, when they were suffering, when they were in pain, when they had this diagnosis and hadn't sought treatment yet, um, that they their faith was was difficult because they felt God wasn't present in mm. their pain. And I think that's I think that's sometimes the harm that we as a church inflict is that we say God cannot be present 
if you're suffering like that. And he is, he's holding us so tightly. And usually when the person talks about their experience of treatment, effective treatment, they say, suddenly I realized God was there all along. Mm. Uh, my faith has never been better. I feel so uh, reconnected with the Lord now that I'm healthy. Uh, and so it can be a crisis of faith, but I think that we as a church, by continuing the stigma around it, can really uh, impact that negatively. Mm, that, that's good. I was actually going to ask you to talk about your podcast because I actually know one of your episodes, uh, one of the people you talked with, is I've known her since she was a young lady and, and mm-hmm. the struggle she's been through. And yet in the midst of that, I've seen an abiding trust, even amidst of the, in the midst yes. of the struggle, Yes. She a love for God and hanging in there by faith. And okay, mm-hmm. let let me backtrack a little bit here cuz sometimes because we self-stigmatize even if we don't have the issue, we self-stigmatize and as you said sometimes that can precipitate things. To me I kind of go, "Wait a minute. Are we focusing on that or are we focusing on who on our God?" And mm-hmm. it this can be a detriment to our our spiritual formation, can't it? Yes. It certainly can. It certainly can because, and I'm a fan of journaling. Not everybody likes to write things down, but I like to write things down just because it gives me clarity. And sometimes that that process of in my prayer journal of really is this is this something that I need to get looked at, or is this a crisis of faith? Is this something that is pulling me away from my God, or is this something that could potentially pull me closer? Um, and so I think it's it's a fair thing to even just talk with a Christian counselor or a, a, a pastor or a spiritual um, mentor about it to say, is this something I should get looked at or is this something that I'm making more out of than I need to? Yeah. Well, yeah. Let's talk about your podcast again real quickly. We have just a couple of moments here. But again, for people who want to listen to your podcast, because like mm-hmm. I said, you've talked to several people who are struggling with with psychological issues, and yet they're so faithful. Yes. They seek to be so faithful. Uh, now, where can they find the podcast? Well, you can find it anywhere. You can Spotify, uh, Google, um, iTunes, or on uh, My Faith Radio, anywhere. We also have wowgod.com, which is our uh, Northwestern Media podcast hosting site. Mm-hmm. And of course, you can go to your website too, which is simply Melissa Mork. Dot com, right? Yes. Right. Correct. All right. right. Hey, Melissa, thank you again for joining us here on Faith Radio. And, um, thanks, Paul. And hopefully we'll talk to you again in the future here, but thanks for joining us this May. That. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Breakpoint is next. This is Faith Radio. This is Mornings with Carmen. I'm Paul filling in today here on Faith Radio. Over the weekend, I had to do a quick run to the, uh, well, the Minute Clinic because I was, I'm dealing with some head stuffiness. Maybe you're kind of hearing that. And I thought I had an ear infection. And so I went in and, of course, they have to do all the others, you know, the take your height, take your weight. Didn't want to know that. And then also taking blood pressure. Mine was up a little bit, a little bit of hypertension. Well, maybe it has to do with my phone use. I saw this this morning about talking on a cell phone for 30 minutes a week or more 
has been linked in this one study to high blood pressure. This is a study out of China. Those who spend half an hour on the phone, even hands-free, were 12% more likely to develop hypertension. Six hours a week raises that to 25%. Researchers suggest that low levels of radio frequency energy emitted by phones could be to blame, but... Maybe it's what we're talking, you know, just talking on the phone itself is stressful uh, with our lifestyles in the first place. Maybe it has to do with talking on the phone. Maybe it's who we're talking to as well. Are we spending time with God? Up next here on Mornings with Carmen, let's talk about prayer, and in particular, the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, do you pray it? How can your prayers be better informed through looking at the Our Father, the Lord's Prayer. We're going to talk about that with uh, Becky Harling in three minutes here on Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Yeah, you could probably continue that one. Most of us can. The Our Father, the Lord's Prayer. Hey, I'm Paul filling in for Carmen and When was the last time you really looked at those words and really took in what they meant and what that prayer is calling us to as we call upon our Father? To help us think about that this morning, I'm joined by Becky Harling, who's the author of a new study out. It's a seven-part, six-week study, six-week study called Our Father, a Study of the Lord's Prayer. Becky, thanks for joining us here on Mornings with Carmen. Hey, it's great to be with you. It is good to have you with us. And it is, a again, a very familiar part of Scripture. And sometimes familiarity, well, if it doesn't breed contempt, it just breeds apathy. And I'm hoping our conversation will re-inject some vibrancy, vibrancy in our understanding of these words. So I want to start, though, by asking you a question, because, again, it is a part of Scripture that so many of us are familiar with. Tell us about your relationship with the Lord's Prayer through the years. Yeah, and so I always knew the Lord's Prayer. In fact, two years ago, I was speaking at a national prayer breakfast on the National Day of Prayer. And at the end, I had the audience stand. uh, You know, there were public leaders and faith leaders and all these leaders from a community. And I had them stand and say the Lord's Prayer. And in that moment, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, hey, this is your next study because so many people know the Lord's Prayer, but they don't really understand the invitations tucked within the Lord's Prayer. Okay, but what about your relationship through the years? You said you're familiar with it. You you led people. But Knowing a bit of your past, like I have, because you've been through a lot of struggles, through a cancer battle and through abuse, and a loving father allowing this. So tell me about your relationship with the prayer. Yeah, and so I think for a lot of us, because we have significant father wounds, we cannot really relate to the fact that Jesus invites us to call God our father. You know, for me personally, I was madly in love with Jesus from the time I was a little girl, but God the father was a bit scary to me because in my mind's eye, he looked a lot like my earthly father. My earthly father was in ministry. He was a very powerful man, but he was also very abusive, uh, you know, physically, Mm. sexually 
emotionally and all the things, which led me to a disconnect with our father. And so it was like, yeah, I know that's part of scripture, but I don't really want to pray that because our father reminds me that there's this God in heaven and he might look like my father. And it wasn't until I really began to understand who my heavenly father was that I was able to re-embrace and really embrace the Lord's prayer. Mm. Again, we're talking with Becky Harling, and she is the author of a new six-week study called Our Father, A Study of the Lord's Prayer. Now, maybe it's something you want to study more deeply yourself. I do have a handful of copies that we will be giving away. So text the word book to 877-933-2484 to get in on this, uh, get on the drawing for one of the copies of the study. Now, let's go back in time, because just like you had your understanding of God, especially when it came to the Father. Um, Let's go back in time when Jesus actually uttered these words to his disciples. How would, in your mind, how would that have hit them? Because identifying God as Father, that probably hit them kind of funny too. Yeah, and I I think it would have really hit the religious leaders as almost sacrilegious, you know, because it was radical theology that Jesus was introducing us to, because the religious leaders of the day saw God as very distant and holy. In fact, they didn't even say his name except on certain days of the year. And so, you know, to say all of a sudden we're supposed to go into prayer calling God the eternal almighty God, our father, you know, gave us an intimacy with God the Father that the people at the time of Jesus did not know. How would it affect, though, the average person? I mean, you're right. The religious leaders would have been, how dare you? The average person listening, one of his disciples, uh, Peter, the, the fisherman, and, and the others, how wouldn't that have jarred them? Yeah, I think it probably did jar them. You know, I think it startled them. I think it gave them pause, like, wait a minute, are we really supposed to call God our father? You know, and we don't know what all of their fathers were like, right? We don't know, were they carrying father wounds? Did they have problems with their fathers? We know, like, John and James were the son of thunder, and (laughs) their dad was an angry dad. We don't know. And so when Jesus introduced this, you know, like, address God in prayer as our father, it likely startled them. Mm, probably did. But then there, there's a big request. I mean, okay, you go, our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Well, that's actually a big request, too, because it's, my understanding, it's not just, okay, God, you're holy. No, it, it's something bigger than just saying, okay, I acknowledge you as holy. Yeah, it's an invitation, you know. I think through the years, I thought this just meant don't take God's name in vain, right? Mm. But it's an invitation. It's an invitation to really enter into worship. A lot of us think of worship as only something that happens on Sunday morning, and that's only if we really like the music that they play at church. (laughs) However, you know, Jesus is inviting us into a lifestyle of worship. And the reason he invites us into that is not because God our Father is some insecure being who needs a good that-a-boy every now and then. 
again, it's because as we worship God as our Father, we become more like Him. We're created with a need to worship something. So we'll all worship something. You know, we'll all adore something or someone. And yet God has designed us with that ache so that we will worship Him. Because as we worship Him, we are changed. Mm. Again, we're talking with Becky Harling. Uh, She's the author of a new study called Our Father. And again, we are giving away copies. So 877-933-2484. Text the word book to that number and then just click on the hyperlink that you get. And that way you can get in on the drawing uh, again to win one of the copies we have. Becky, let's continue on through the Lord's Prayer because the next one, you know, some people have called the Lord's Prayer, among other things, the kingdom prayer because of the petition, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How does that resonate with you? Yeah, I I love that part of the prayer because it reminds me and, you know, I have to tuck this in there. I now pray the Lord's Prayer every day because it reorders my life and it reminds me that my life is not about Becky's kingdom or what Becky wants. It's about the Lord's kingdom and what he wants. And so his kingdom is, is broad and wide and I need to get on board with the king. And so I need to surrender to him as Lord of my life. Mm. So, yeah, there is that call because we're not here just to serve the now. We're looking towards something that is coming and yet is with us right now. I love that aspect about it. So, yeah. now you, you actually just mentioned you pray it every day. I want to get to that later in the conversation because I think that is that is very important. It's something I've been doing more and more lately. But as we continue through the petitions, you get to give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Here you're looking at this this request for daily bread as asking audaciously. Explain that. <laughs> Yeah. And so, you know, I can best explain this through a story of our daughter. I remember one year we took our kids when they were little to Disney. And at the end of that vacation, each child was allowed to pick out a souvenir. And our youngest daughter picked out a baby Minnie Mouse. Her sister, who was a few years older than her, went back and forth. Did she want the baby Minnie Mouse or not? She finally decided she was too big for it. Well, later that night, as she snuggled in bed and she watched her baby sister snuggle with with her baby Minnie Mouse, she had, you know, remorse and mm. she was sobbing. I want a baby Minnie Mouse. Let's go back to the Disney store. Well, we were leaving like at, you know, six in the morning to start the long drive home. So we finally got her settled. And then around uh, nine o'clock at night, my husband grabbed the car keys and I said, where are you going? And he's like, I'm going to the Disney store. And he went, <laughs> Disney stores and came back triumphantly with a baby Minnie Mouse. Now, the point of that story is not that we get whatever we want from God, but God doesn't get annoyed with us with our persistence. He invites that. And so if you've been praying for a child, you know, who is perhaps a prodigal, keep praying. God's not annoyed by your persistence. If you're praying for, you know, a new level of love in your marriage, God doesn't get annoyed with that. He invites that. He invites our persistence. He invites us to keep asking. And your daily bread may mean more faith today or more love today or wisdom today with your child. God invites you to come and to ask audaciously. 
Again, we're talking with Becky Harling, and uh, she is the author of the new study, Our Father. And again, if you'd like to win a copy, we do have a handful of those here in in the studio. And uh, if you want to get on the drawing, text the word book to 877-933-2484. When we come back, okay, we do deal with the issue of forgiveness, dealing with the issue of sin in the Lord's Prayer. And we'll pick up there as we continue talking with Becky here on Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. If you're a new listener, we want to officially welcome you with a free welcome pack gift. Request yours today at MyFaithRadio.com. Looking through the Lord's Prayer, the Our Father. Hey, I'm Paul, filling in for Carmen on Faith Radio this morning, and Becky Harling is my guest in this segment as we talk about her new study called Our Father, which, again, we have copies we're giving away, a handful of copies to get in on the drawing, text the word book to 877-933-2484. Now, we've been through part of the Lord's Prayer already, and we're just, again, this is a really quick summary of what we've been doing, Becky. There's so much more in your study. It's a six-week study, and hopefully people can spend time meditating deeply as they go through it um, on the Lord's Prayer. Now, we get to the point, though, Becky, where Jesus kind of turns after talking about give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our, and I know it's variously translated, I like to just the word, use the word sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Now, this is an important part of the, of the prayer because we are fallen, aren't we? Yeah, and it's, it's interesting because he says, forgive us as we forgive those who sin against us, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so we're quick to ask God to forgive us when we sin. However, a lot of us struggle to forgive those around us who sin against us. And yet Jesus is pretty firm on this. You know, he says we're to pray, forgive us, Lord, as we forgive those who trespass against us or who sin against us. And and that's a big invitation for us. It's probably the hardest in the Lord's Prayer for most of us, because when people hurt us, we're quick to hang on to that hurt. You know, we may nurture it in our hearts. We may grow bitter. We may grow resistant towards them. We may build walls to keep them out. And yet Jesus is inviting us here to live a life where we forgive those who hurt uh, us, just like God offers to forgive us. And it's a big ask. It's a big invitation. It is a big ask, but again, there's a few parables. I'm thinking of the unjust servant, you know, God forgave him of this big debt. And then here's this uh, friend of the servant who, our fellow servant, who has a small debt to this one who's been forgiven much. And Anyway, that that that's borne out in this in this uh, in in this petition, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. And in fact, the Lord's Prayer in in Matthew, Jesus follows the Lord's Prayer and says, "Hey, if he, this is a paraphrase, if you don't forgive others, my Father in heaven won't forgive you." And you know, we kind of go, "Eek, what if that's true?" You know. But we're and certainly our actions. I mean, we can't control the grace of God. However. It, this is a big command of Jesus's. He's not saying, hey, this is optional. If you feel like forgiving, forgive others. He's saying, no, you need to forgive others. And the reason he says this is because when we don't forgive, that person holds us in captivity. And so as we forgive, we are set free. The person who hurt us is not set free. We are set free. Mm. Good point. Good point. All right, let's continue on as we go through the petitions, because the next one has a lot of people scratching their heads. 
and that is, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, I've heard this variously translated. If you were to translate that section, what would you say and why? I, you know, I I would leave it as it is. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Because, you know, we we wonder, does God ever lead us into places of temptation? Well, we have to go back to the story of Jesus, right? Jesus comes up from being baptized. This is the place in the in the Gospels where the entire Trinity is present. God the Father booms from heaven. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus comes up from the waters. The Spirit rests on him as a dove. And then it says, and the Spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted. And so God is going to allow us wilderness times and he leads us to the wilderness from time to time and it's it's and so we are tempted in the wilderness perhaps to doubt God's goodness and yet it's God's goodness that leads us there because it's there that our faith is strengthened. Your faith really can't be strengthened unless it's tried. You know, if everything goes perfectly in your life, it's easy to say, oh, you know, I trust God. Well, do you really? It's not until you go through the harder seasons that you wake up and say, wow, my faith is worth it. And God is with me even in the hard suffering of life. But then I'm almost going in my mind, well, then maybe I do want the time of trial, even though I don't want the time of trial or the temptation. Actually, (laughs) that was actually one of the—I was listening to one guy translate it that way, lead us not to the time of trial. And and yet God uses trials in our lives. Maybe it's not that we desire to go through these hard times, but that we, um, you know, even though we go through them, yeah, when we do— Again, deliver us from, and some say evil one because they want to focus on the devil. Is, do you think that's wise or leave it more broad? You know, I think leave it more broad. Yes, the devil will tempt us in those moments for sure. And he is alive and active. However, I think our own human nature at times tempts us to doubt and to wonder, you know, because we are human, we're fallen. And, and so we need these times of trial to strengthen our faith. You know, a lot of people forget that when they, when Jesus was here, he said, in this life, you will have suffering. You know, and we like to tell people, hey, when you come to Jesus, life is going to be so good. And yes, that's true. But Jesus does tell us, you know, you are, you are going to suffer for your faith. And that's a, that's a big swallow for a lot of people. But I like gumdrops on lollipops. Come on. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) I want my Christian life to be all happy clappy, you know? There you go. Okay, the last segment of the Lord's Prayer, as oftentimes recited, is not in Matthew 6, uh, which is where the Lord's Prayer, as we best know it. There's also a similar Lord's Prayer in Luke, but Matthew 6 is where we find the Lord's Prayer. But it doesn't have, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Where did that come from? It actually is based in scripture. It's based in First Chronicles 29 verses 10 to 13, where David prays this magnificent prayer. And he says, praise be to you, Lord, the God and father of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and on earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Well, 
wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things in your hand, our strength and power mm. to exalt and give strength to all. And so uh, what we have done is we have taken that passage of scripture and added it as a benediction to the Lord's prayer. And it's really beautiful because it reminds us yours, Lord, is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So that's where it comes from. I never knew that before. And that's cool because, okay, you have David, who is the king of Israel, kind of in in Christ's place, so to speak. And since we're looking toward this coming kingdom of God, that makes sense. That makes yeah. so much sense. Well, yeah, well it's, go it's ahead. Neat. It's just, I loved discovering that, mm. but continue. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, as we wrap up our conversation, you mentioned at the start, or earlier on, that you suggest praying the Lord's Prayer every day. And I know a lot of people, it's part of their church service every Sunday. They'll do the Lord's Prayer or some other place. But you're saying daily. Why? Yeah, I like, I. that's a recent development in me. You know, I started praying the Lord's Prayer daily when I, when I wrote this. And the reason I do that is because I realize it reorders my life around the priorities of Jesus. It's a reminder as I'm praying it out loud on my knees in the morning, it reminds me, you know, that I have a father, my father, our father, that I'm called to be part of a family. It reminds me that I'm called to enter into worship daily. It reminds me that I'm called to surrender, that his kingdom is alive and well now. It, it's now and it will be when he reigns on earth. It reminds me to ask audaciously. It reminds me daily that forgiveness uh I can internalize God's forgiveness as I am forgiving others. And it reminds me that I can live victoriously. And so it's it's a good reordering of our lives. It gets them back on track, if you will. Would you say, because when I use it, because I actually have for a while been doing a daily of the last several months, and it's usually as I'm going through my list of prayer concerns I have, but I wrap it up with this because... In the end, what I'm asking for when I'm asking for blessings on these people, healing or whatever, I'm asking for God's kingdom to come in their lives in these situations. Yes. And in my life, you know, and in your life, because I think it's easy to get off track in our spiritual walks. You know, there's so much that distracts us in this world um, there, you know, whether political concerns or social media or news reports or problems with kids or neighbors or friends, you know, but it reorders our lives. God is king. You know, Jesus will reign. He reigns now and he reigns eternally. I can have victory in him. I can be empowered through the Holy Spirit to forgive others. It's just really a good reordering of our lives. And we need that daily. <laughs> we need that daily. Yep. Hey, Becky Harling, thank you again for joining us here on Mornings with Carmen. Again, the book, The Study is Our Father, it's called, and we have a handful of copies we're giving away to get in the drawing. Text the word book, just those four letters, B-O-O-K, to 877-933-2484. This is Faith Radio.
Well, again, thank you for listening to Mornings with Carmen. Carmen will be back tomorrow, and uh, hopefully she'll have a lot to talk about after a weekend away. There's a lot that's happened in the world, and as she usually does, she helps you apply the mind of Christ to the matters of the day. Remember, if you miss any show, follow up by listening to the podcast. You can find it on the Mornings with Carmen show page at MyFaithRadio.com, as well as, well, wherever you listen to your podcast, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you name it. You'll find us there. Thanks for listening. Have a great Monday. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.